today um, is not going to be so much as a preach. Sometimes we preach to you and sometimes we teach you. The preachers will leave you all inspired and fired up, but the teaching is what is going to equip you, put tools in your hand to be able to go forward in your Christian life. So when your ice pops are done, this is get your notepads out, get your, your iPads out, your phones out, whatever it is, because you're going to want to jot some content down today because it's going to equip you in your Christian faith. Okay, this message actually was inspired um, on a flight that I took just a couple of weeks ago um, with my family, and it was a night flight. And just as the plane was starting its descent, my youngest son Solomon, he's looking out the window into the night sky. And so he and I were gazing out the window, and I began to talk to him about the stars and the constellation and it's something that we like to do when we're on holiday because somehow whenever you're on holiday, even if it's Blackpool, the sky just looks clearer and you find yourself gazing at the stars. And so we're on this flight and we're gazing out the window talking about the planets and the constellation. And I pointed out to him where the North Star was. And I said to him, you know where the North Star is because it's the brightest star in the sky. And I went on to tell him how years ago in the ancient of days, that's how travellers would find their way around. They would look for where the North Star is and they knew whether they were heading north or south and, and they would use the North Star to navigate themselves. And he's looking at me with big eyes and an open mouth in absolute amazement. And for a moment as a parent, I was like, yes. Because anybody raising children will know when they're really young, it's really easy to impress them with your knowledge and information but around the age of 12 or 13, everything you say, you're a blithering idiot. And so the fact that he was looking at me totally amazed, I was like, oh yes, I have impressed him. But I later found out, or I was very soon to find out, that amazement on his face was actually a look of amusement. As he said to me, mum, I'm so glad we don't live in an age where you have to navigate yourself by stars because that is another plane and I've been watching it for the last 20 minutes. And I'm so totally schooled on this flight by a 13-year-old. But then it got me thinking and laughing and telling him stories how navigation is just not my strong point. In fact, it's a miracle me and your dad are even together at all. Because let me tell you, your relationship has never been tested until you, uh, unless you were of the generation before iPhones and before GPS systems. And one of you had to map read on a journey. Your marriage ain't been through anything if one of you has not had to read a map whilst the other is driving. We would go on journeys and it would be horrendous. Luke would be driving and I would have the map but every time the road veered round a bend or went round a corner, I had to turn the map just so that I could follow the road. Really bad at directions. It was even worse, actually, if I was driving and Luke was in the passenger seat. Because, you see, at the time, he was a response officer in the police force. So he was used to driving at high speeds and taking fast and furious instruction. And so I'd be driving the car and he'd shout at me, literally, next left, Sierra, Alpha, November, Delta Street. And I'd be like, 
What did you even just say? What does even that mean? Like my mind would be having to think Sierra is of S, Alpha of R. We'd be way past the street. He just spoke in the phonetic alphabet to me constantly like I was supposed to get it. But Christianity and our faith life can be so like that. Because you get saved and you, you come into the house of God and everybody's like, this is so awesome. You know what you need to do now? You need to follow the will of God for your life. And you're like, Ace, where is it? Like, I'll follow it, but where is it? People say to you all the time, you need to know what God's will is for your life. You need to follow God's instruction. Just stay on the right path. What path? Follow God's direction. Amazing. Where's he going? It's like it can be so confusing. But the truth is, God has a plan and a purpose. He has instruction and direction. Because you're not here just to get married, have babies and work a job and die. That is not the purpose of your life. It's what you do in your lifetime, but it's not the purpose of it. And God has a purpose. So I want to go on record at the outset of this message and say, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Because within that Bible is a book of information and instruction all about the Christian life. And we have to learn to live our lives as the book says, you know, if you want to bake the perfect cake, you'll read the recipe and you'll do what it says. Your cake might not come out as picture perfect as in the book, but it'll be a lot closer to the real deal than if you just tried to make it up on your own. And I think there are way too many people walking around the planet professing to be Christian, yet never having read the book. Saying I'm a Christian, but not picking it up from one week to the next. Making the rules up as we go along. The word Christian means Christ-like. And in order for you to be like Christ, you need to read his book and know what his character is like and know which way you're heading and know if you're on track or off track. And at least then you'll be a lot closer to the real deal than if you're just trying to wing it and make it up by yourself. Let me just say that the will of God and the purpose of God for your life It's not hidden within some cryptic clue that you've got to try and solve and work out. God actually laid it out clearly before you. But what happens is, as we go through life and we make wrong choices and we make decisions and life gets a little bit complicated, we create like a maze around our lives. And when we've created this maze around our life, all of a sudden, the way forward doesn't look clear. All of a sudden, what happens is you you can't see your purpose. You lose sight of your true meaning and actually what on earth are you doing with your life? We build walls with our wrong choices. We create dead ends with our negativity. We have bad attitudes. We put up fences with offence. We hem ourselves in with self-pity and unforgiveness. We build barricades and blockades with lies and deceit, some of which have been fed to us and some of which we have spoken out. And because of the choices you made yesterday, your tomorrow now feels uncertain and unclear. But I am so grateful that I serve a God who's been to the end of my life and has come back to journey it with me. Psalm 139 says that he knows all of your days and he's seen them before you even lived one of them. He's been to the end of my life 
And he's come back to equip me for the journey that is ahead of me. He's seen all of my highlights and my pitfalls. He's seen me in my blessed times and my most stressed times. He's seen everything. He knows where I'll win and he knows where I'll fail without his instruction. You see, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know anything about yourself. You may be sitting in here today and you might be thinking, I have this huge secret and nobody, but nobody knows this about me. I can assure you, God does. There's nothing he doesn't know about you. He knows your life. He knows where you'll be tempted. He knows what will distract you. He knows where you're likely to fall and fail. And he also knows what difficulties are going to come up in your lifetime. He knows who you will date. He knows who you will marry. He knows where you will live, what church you will be planted in. He knows what job you will will take and what career path. And all of these components that make up your life, that either part of his plan for you or they are not. They are either part of his plan for you or they are not. You see, life is a series of highs and lows and pitfalls and predators and none of us, not any of us, um, are exempt from life. We're in it until we leave it. None of us. But God has made a way, not only for you to get through life, but God has made a way for you to succeed and excel in all areas of life. It's his plan and his purpose for you. He's come to equip you so that you can live out your best life. You know, there are moments in your life when you need clear direction. Marriage would be one of those moments. It's you're about to turn a corner. You're about to go into a completely different phase, move in a new direction. Marriage or relationships or finances and commitments, these are big deals and you need to know God's leading on them. There are going to be times in all of our lives when we have to ask ourselves the question, am I making the right decision? Is the choice that I am making going to bless me or is the choice that I'm making going to block me from God's purpose in my life? Is this decision going to open doorways of opportunity for me or is this decision going to find me up a dead end alley? Do I commit or do I walk away? Should I stay or should I go? Someone ought to write a song with those lyrics in it. Is it worth fighting for? Do I leave it alone? Do I date him? Do I not? Do I invest? Do do I not? What do I do? Should, should I date this person? Should I not? These are big deals and we need to know God's leading. It's critical that we know God's leading when it comes to making some big choices in life. I think one of the most commonly asked questions that I am asked is this. How do you follow God when the Bible is not case specific to my need and my problem. How do you follow God? I want to answer the question tonight. And I've simply called this message, Navigate My Life. Navigate Your Life. I want to answer the question. You see, I would like to read a Bible that said, date him if, and then there was a checklist. 
and I could go tick, 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 tick. I would like to read a Bible that says, move house when your finances are at tick, 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 tick. That would make life so much easier, right? But God is not a God who just wants to um, throw a, a, a list of instructions and rules at you. He wants a relationship with you. And what's going on in your life is not what's going on in your life is not what's going on in your life. And God has a different relationship, a unique relationship with each and every one of you. But he does have a way of leading you forward. And so I want to take you to a scripture in the book of Acts. And it's about, uh, it's a small scripture, and it's about a guy named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. And um, in this small text, I'm going to pull out some principles on how you can learn and hear God's direction on your life. What does it look like when you're walking in the will of God? What does it look like when God is speaking to you? And, and we're going to look at this text. And just to give you a little bit of background, Paul is... Um, He's in the ministry. He's doing really well. He's going from town to town, city to city, teaching and preaching the gospel. He's talking about Jesus, the signs and wonders that are following him, the seeing the sick, being healed. And, and, and so it, all is good right now. But in Acts 20, he says these words. But there is another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know it won't be a picnic for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. But that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone know all about this incredibly extravagant, generous God. So there are four points that I want to make from this text. Four points that are going to better help us, us know when God is leading our lives. And the first one is basic instinct. Paul says at the start of this text, I sense an urgency and I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. In other words, this wasn't in my plan. It wasn't in my agenda. It wasn't on my thinking. It was just, it was just a notion that I had. It was just a compelling. It was just a something I sensed on the inside of me. It was like an instinct. We all have instinct. But if you are a Bible-believing follower of Christ, more often than not, that instinct is actually a God-prompting the word prompting means you're drawn to something. It means that you, it's not a premeditated thought. It's not a plan that you've hashed out. It's not a direction that you've considered. It was a prompting. It was an instinct. It was a compelling. And there are going to be times as a Bible-believing Christian that you are going to have unctions and promptings on your life. And these promptings, I need to tell you, are vital to your life's journey. Some of the most, some of the biggest decisions you will make in your life are not made by clear direction. They're made by an unction and a prompting from within. God will give you instinct when you need it. You are not going to miss God's plan for your life. If you're reading his word and you've got a prayer life and you're journeying with him daily, you are not going to miss God's plan for your life. He will give you instinct when you need it. Now, don't be getting up every day and praying for the instinct because that's not how God works. You know, 
you don't need instinct when you're ordering a Chinese. You know what you like and you know what you don't like. You don't need instinct to decide what clothes you're going to wear every morning. You just look out the window and check the weather and then you know what clothes you're going to wear. But you do need unction and you do need instinct and you do need a God prompting when it comes to relationships, finance, commitment and some of the bigger decisions in your life. You know, when you read the Bible, if you're anything like me as a young Christian, I would read the Bible and I would look at um, some of the characters in the Bible and it would give you a synopsis around their life and then it would say, and God said. And I'd think, man, why can't you speak to me as clearly as you spoke to them? But the truth is, it wasn't an audible voice. Unless God had sent an angel to speak to them, any time that it says, and God said, It was an unction and a prompting and an inner voice. Apart from when Jesus was baptised and God audibly spoke from heaven and on a couple of other occasions where God had audibly spoke. But when David would pray to God and say, God, should I go and fight this Philistine army? And it is written, God said, go and fight for today. I've given this enemy into your hands. It wasn't an audible voice. It was an inner voice unction. It was an instinct. When Abraham left his hometown to go to, uh, to move to a nation that he did not know, it wasn't just a crazy thought that he had. After prayerfully considering God, after prayerfully going to God, the prompting on the inside of him was that he was to get up and move his family to a new nation. What about Moses' mother? When she put that baby in a basket on the River Nile. That wasn't a a big, thus saith the Lord moment. That woman had been crying out to God for the life of her child. And the instinct that she had on the inside was, I need to put this baby in a basket on the Nile. It made no sense to her head, but she was a woman who loved and feared the Lord. So she knew even though I can't see what this crazy plan will be like, this is what I need to do. Because often your instincts and your notions, they're a gentle nudge from heaven, guiding you into your purpose and your destiny, so you don't want to ignore them. That instinct that mother felt to put that baby on the Nile was the key to setting the whole of the nation of Israel free. What if she hadn't followed that instinct? I get overwhelmed with cards and letters, emails that we get. Even this summer while we've gone a little bit quieter, cards and letters and emails, thank you for starting this church. Thank you, because I don't know where my life would be if you hadn't started this church. Thank you for doing what you're doing because it's been a saving grace in my life. I was taking this road. I get story after story of where people's lives were headed before the point where they came into this church. And I stand here in worship sometimes, and honestly, it moves me, because I think about the friendships that have been forged, and the connections, and the way people have met each other. And then I think about the people we've married. We've married so many people. And they all met here. It's like a cop-off club. (laughs) I'm like, and then I think of all the babies that are being born and all the babies that are to come. And then I think about it in reverse. And it, it really, it moves me to tears. 
Because I think if we had not started this, these people would never have met. These marriages were not taking place. And these children would not be born if we did not. And yet this whole thing was started by an instinct, an unction in a policeman and his wife who just said, I think it might be God. Let's have a crack. Let's do it. So don't ignore the instincts on your life. We had no clue, no finances, no qualifications, and no backing of anybody. But you see, when you learn to obey the small instruction in your life, when you get that instinct, I need to pick up that phone and have a phone call with that person. When you get that basic instinct, I need to buy a bag of shopping and take it to that person. When you, need, when you learn to follow the small detail of God in your life, it is far easier to follow Him in the bigger things when He wants to direct your life. You know, when this building came on the market, when this building became available, it was not a great season in our lives. Um, but Rachel Fox, she was on the mailing list. She was the one who was hunting down buildings throughout the city. We were desperate for a home for the church. And she was on the, the mailing list and somebody, the estate agents had got in touch with her and they'd said, you know, um, this building's available, blah, blah, blah. And she got in touch with Luke and she was like, there's a building available and it's really difficult to get property in Liverpool city centre. And you know, I was, um, I'd just actually finished treatment at a hospital. I was quite poorly at the time. And um, it wasn't a great time for us. And Luke was like, you know, we've got our plate full with other stuff right now, Rach. We're not interested in going to view buildings. Just thank them, but decline. End of phone call. Do you know, and it was a few hours or the day later, she rang Luke back. She said, I've just got this feeling you really need to go and see this building. And on that word, we came. Who's glad that she followed a God prompting in her life? She followed an instinct. Because we'd all be still sitting somewhere doing pack up down church. I don't know, but God had a plan and a purpose and it took someone to follow his leading and someone to follow his instinct and say, do you know you have it all the time when my children were growing up? They'd bring friends home or they'd be school friends and I would just be like, you know what? That's just not the type of person that I want you hanging out with. And I didn't really know a great deal about the child, but as a parent, you've got to have instinct. You've got to know what is right and what is wrong because you're not with your children 24 hours and I'd have to say, hey baby, no, we're not going to have a sleep over there and this is for that reason. When my parents were trying to relocate and move house to come and live near me, it was, it was a really stressful time. They couldn't sell their property and they couldn't find a house near me where they wanted to live and nothing seemed to be happening. And one day, just one day, I, I don't even know where I'd been, but I was driving home and I was really ill. I mean, I was poorly. I had a migraine and I'm driving the car virtually with my head on the steering wheel. I was going home to bed. And as I came up this road, not far from my house, beautiful tree-lined road, I had this prompting, this unction, notion, whatever you want to call it, to pull over. And I pulled over, and in that moment, I had a thought. 
there is a little tiny lane at the bottom of this road that I have never been down before. And before I knew it, I'm doing a U-turn in the car and I'm heading back to go down this lane. I was so poorly. In my head, I'm thinking, what are you doing, Emma? You need to go home to bed. But it was just mm, a drawing in a direction. And I drove down this lane. And in this lane, there was one house for sale. One house. And it was a beautiful house surrounded by fields and farmlands. And I sat outside. And the next thought that came to me is, this is your parents' home. And I was like, so much so that I phoned her. I phoned my mom and I said, I've just found your house. Only problem is, it's £100,000 more than they were able to spend. I was like, well, I really think that this is going to be your house. I mean, I don't go that far when I'm ill, but I went down that road and that house is going to be yours. And through an absolute uncanny set of events, the owners lowered the price dramatically and then did a house swap with them. It's unheard of, right? And any of you that have been over to Little Sunny Ridge just know it's the perfect grandpa and grandma house. And Gordon's always got selfies with a pig or a sheep. He's always there with his horse, like Dr. Flippin' Doolittle of the district. Absolutely beyond perfect. But that whole house came about through a God prompting. It was a notion. It wasn't a thus saith the Lord. It was just that. And you know what? Some of you have had a God prompting to keep coming back to church. And it's messing with your head. Because in your head, you're like, church is not the place that you would find me in, let alone one like this. But you've got this notion, this compelling, this urgency that just keeps drawing you back. But can I tell you that God is in your future and He is nudging you towards your destiny. So do not ignore the God promptings on your life. The next thing that we can learn from this passage of Scripture is silent instruction. Paul says, I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem, but I'm completely in the dark about what will happen there. Hello. Anybody else ever feel that way with God? I'm completely in the dark about what is happening. Have you ever prayed a prayer? Lord, a few bit more detail would be great. If you could just give me some detail, then I will make the decision. Then I will make the move. A God prompting looks like I need to go, but I have no idea what it looks like when I get there. You know, have you ever had that heart racing moment when you feel like you need to walk across the foyer and speak to the person standing on their own? And you're like, okay, God, don't mind going, but I don't know what I'm going to say when I get there. Could you just tell me some detail and then I'll go? And by the time you've argued with yourself, the person has gone. But we want detail. There are some of you young people who have been in Liverpool and you've done studying at university, but when your graduation came around, you did not go home because it was a compelling and, uh, and there was a notion and that just that uh, Liverpool's part of my destiny. And even though you've had family and friends on the phone, like, what are you doing with your life? What, what, what are you working as a job? Where are you going? And you haven't got the words to articulate because it's just a notion and an unction. I just know I have to be here. But I believe that God will work it out. God details, let me tell you, that a little bit like the voice on your sat-nav give you basic need-to-know instruction only when you need it. 
for as long as you are going in the right direction, your sat-nav remains silent. It doesn't speak to you. I wish it wouldn't. I would like a sat-nav. Personally, I would like one that says, keep going, doing a good job, just a bit further, a little bit more, it's coming up on your left any minute, just now. That's the sat-nav that I would really like. But we have to presume and assume that these things were designed and, um, you know, programmed by a bloke because they just give you the basic need-to-know instruction. And only when you know, you know, let's get a bit real. If a woman had, had created the sat-nav, if she programmed, pro, I mean, I know they use her voice just to be kind, but if she designed and programmed, it would be a sat what would it be? It would be a, sat a satellite tour guide navigation system. That's what it would be. It would say, continue ahead with the river on your left and the, the uh, continue ahead with the river on your left and you'll see the old church to your right. Straight ahead over the humpback bridge past the farm opposite the ice cream shop, go through the lights, bear right and your destination's on the left-hand side. It would be full of information. And that's what I like. And yet we laugh at the ludicrous thought of, of our car navigation system speaking to us in so much detail. And yet we get frustrated with God when he only speaks to us on a need-to-know basis. If we were going to put that principle, apply that illustration into a spiritual principle, we would have to assume that when God is silent, it's because you're on the right track. When God is not nudging in your life, it's because you're going in the right direction. The voice on your sat-nav may say something like, in 30 feet, turn right. And God will speak up and God will prompt you when he needs you to, when his instruction is to prepare you to reposition you. God will speak up when you need to reposition yourself, but his voice is not an audible voice. It's an inner instruction. It's an inner unction. It's a feeling. It's an instinct. The truth is God doesn't give us all the details because we couldn't handle the details. God doesn't give us what the next five years are going to look like because we could not handle the detail. Therefore, he only gives you what you need to know today. The Bible says he leads you day by day. He leads you step by step. The truth is, if he gave you all the details, you probably would not take the next step. When I think back over the course of these years, starting this church on a prompting with absolutely no details at all, but if God had shown us the detail, the personal pain, the cost, the financial implication, the loss of friends, the rejection, being an outcast, <laughs> what we took our family through, I promise you, we never would have taken the first step. And God not showing you your future is not him being unkind, it is him being kind and gracious and protecting you as his child because he's like, you can do the next step because I am with you. And, 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 and you know, when I think now of all the salvations and the turnaround stories, I'm so glad that we took the next step. People ask us, what's the plan for the future of this church? What are you doing within the next five, 10 years? I don't know, don't know, because God's silent right now. 
He told us to build a church that was about everyone and change lives for Christ one life at a time. So we will continue to do that unless God says otherwise. Psalm 119, God's word is a lamp unto your feet. Courtney referred to it a few weeks back, but his word is a guide unto your feet and he'll show you the next step. He's not a spotlight into your future. Look, girls and guys that are praying for that husband in the future, he ain't answering that prayer anytime now. He's interested in you today, getting yourself right today. And I'll show you what you need for tomorrow. And I'll show you what you need for the next day. And in doing that, he's gonna reveal all that your heart requires. Like a sat-nav system, God tells you what you need to know. Only what you need to know. So we have a Bible and written in the Bible is what you need to know. Written in the Bible is the character of God. Written in the Bible is for God so loved the world that, that, that no one should perish and everyone is included in God's plan. That's what it tells us in the Word of God. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am your God and with my right hand, I will uphold you and I will strengthen you. I have a plan and I have a purpose. These are not unctions or assumptions. This is written in black and white in the Word of God because God knew you needed to know that. So you need to take what you know, and apply it to the prompting of the unction that you feel on the inside. So Paul, bless him, he's off to Jerusalem prompted by God with basic instruction, which he called completely in the dark. And so he says, I know God wants me there. And the third thing you need to know is that when you are following God's will for your life, you are in position for opposition. Why is it that people think when something's going wrong in my life, you know, I'm under attack and I must be out of the will of God and life is really hard and the pressures and the problems and it's all going wrong in my life. Why is it that then we think we're outside of the will of God? Being in the will of God means that you are positioned for opposition. Paul goes to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, completely in the dark. But the Holy Spirit has led me to know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead for me. Hard times and imprisonment. Prison in those days is not like prison today where you have a cell with a few home comforts in. Prison in those days was in a cellar. It was underground. It was dark. It was damp and it was torture. Your hands and your feet were shackled together with chains so that your every movement was completely restricted. Can I tell you, if you're walking a life that is in obedience to God, you're going to come up against some hard times. That is just what life looks like because there is an enemy who wants to bring spiritual opposition against your life and stop you from walking in the purposes that God has for you. So if He can bind you with fear, He'll bind you with fear. If He can shackle you hands and feet and bring problems and distractions to your life and stop you moving forward and stop you being effective for Christ, then He will. He will imprison your mind with negative thoughts so you don't believe you can do what God has called you to be able to do. He will make you feel like you're isolated and on your own. I just need to be able to really say this, spiritual opposition, it will affect every and any area of your life, your family and your marriage and your job, your finances and your health, it will come. But you've got to remember you're on the winning team. 
You've got to remember it's not a fight that's in vain. All too often I sit down with people who are falling apart and frustrated and fed up and telling me it's hard and I can't and I can't keep going because the enemy comes at you with lies and fatigue and, and he just wants, he, the enemy doesn't need to kill you. Can I just put it out there? He's not after your life. He just wants to imprison you to stop you from moving into all that God has for you and to stop you from being an effective, an effective child of God. So if He can imprison you with a mindset, with, with, with apathy, with frustration, then that's a job done for Him. He'll shackle you and He'll bind you. You young adults, you, you've got to know when you make a stand for God and you put some value and some principles in your life, and you decide to live a life that is of purity before you get married, then opposition is gonna come because the world will criticise and tear down the decisions and the values and the morals that you're putting in place and it will make you feel small and less of a man. But you're on the winning team, so stick with it. You young married couples in here, your marriage is gonna hit hard times. Because any marriage that has God at the centre of its union, the enemy knows you are a powerhouse for God. You're a force to be reckoned with. But if he can get in there with discord and pull you apart and pick you off piece by piece, then job done. Because that's another marriage out of the kingdom. But can I just tell you, pull together, pray together, pray in your home, speak over your children. God, you are on the winning team with Him. Opposition is guaranteed when you're walking in God's plans for your life. And the final thing is eyes on the prize. Eyes on the prize simply remind, in all of this, going with God's promptings, coming up against opposition, just remember who you are and what you, why you're doing what you're doing. Paul says, compelled to go to Jerusalem. Don't really know why. I know I'll meet opposition. However, that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started, letting everyone know about this incredibly generous God. That is our purpose, to live a life that oozes and speaks of the goodness and the kindness and the generosity of God. And God's goodness and kindness and generosity is not dependable on your circumstance or the situation that you're up against right now. But what I believe Paul was saying here is life is life. And problems will come. We can't get away from them. But I am not going to let what comes against me rob me from my purpose in God. You see, whilst Paul was in prison, shackled by the hands, shackled by the ankles, being stripped of his clothes, having all his dignities and human rights taken away from him, he was writing letters of encouragement to other believers. While Paul was imprisoned, he was writing letters of encouragement, believing other people to live out their best life, encouraging them to keep on going and keep on declaring the goodness of God. Do you know that each and every day we write letters with the words that we speak, with the conversations that we have, with the messages we send and the social media we put out there, we are writing messages. Only our messages sound more like complaints. We're telling everybody how bad it is for us right now. 
we're telling everybody what we haven't got. And we're telling everyone about our struggle and what I'm going through. They're not letters of encouragement. I don't know if you remember the story of Paul when he was imprisoned with Silas. And even in that prison cell, they just began to give glory to God. And their chains fell off and they walked free from that prison. And I want to encourage you today. And I just want to say this in closing. Whilst he was bound in chains, he had his eyes on the prize. He is like, it's not about my situation. I want to be a blessing to others. And when you can live a life like that, regardless of what you're going through, and I am not making light of anybody's situation in here today. I am not. That's the purpose of church. We're here to support each other and go through stuff together. But when you can still be a blessing in someone else's world and encourage them in your journey, even when it feels like it's all working against you in your life, your chains will fall off. The prison doors will open and that which once held you you and bound you will be loosed from you. Let's stand in here. 